0: Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, or if you're listening to this podcast at another time of the year, Happy Groundhog Day, Easter, Thanksgiving, or Happy Birthday, whatever is closest. But this is Pastor Carl coming to you from Kidology.org with a podcast that has the potential to completely change your next year. And of course, you don't have to start a new year in January, you can start at any time of the year. And I'm going to be talking to you about how you can do that in a very simple yet profound way. As the saying goes, the answers aren't always complicated. They're simple, but they can still be difficult. Simple, but difficult. And we're going to talk about that today as you identify what the big rocks are in your ministry. So welcome to the 80 Second Podcast. Remember, you can shape the show with your feedback, your emails. I look forward to hearing from you. But right now, it's time to sit down and talk Kidman. That's right. This podcast has the potential to completely transform your next year. If you're listening to this currently in December, you're already starting to think about next year. You're starting to think about New Year's resolutions. You're starting to think about goals and objectives and how you can be better at what you do, whether that's As a father, a mother, a parent, um, a child, but as also as a minister. And whether you're a Sunday school teacher or you head up the entire children's ministry, you're evaluating how can I be better next year? You know, a lot of people think it's kind of hip and cool to say, I don't make New Year's resolutions because they never last. Hey, if they only last six months, that's six months that you were better. And it's true. We do tend to fall back into our old ways. And so I am all for New Year's resolutions. I am all for anything that makes you better because the measure is not in how long you stick with it. The measure is, are you a different person tomorrow than you are today? And we're always going to be battling the, the downsides of our positive traits. See, everybody is balanced. They have some incredible gifts, some incredible abilities, and then they're always offset. Like really creative people are, you know, really messy people. And uh, I can't give you a lot of examples. That's that's just kind of mine. But we're gonna talk about what the the big rocks are in your ministry. Now, what do I mean by the big rocks? Okay. Now it comes from an illustration that I'm going to share with you. Now, if you've heard this before, just bear with me. It's worth hearing again. It's one of the greatest parable stories on time management and goal reaching and everything that I've ever heard. And it simply goes like this. A professor uh, got in front of his students one day and he had kind of an object lesson for him. He had brought in a giant plexiglass box probably three feet by three feet high and wide and and deep and it was empty and then he wheeled in a wheelbarrow and he asked the student uh for 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 a volunteer and and the young man came forward and he said I want you to fill this box with the the big these big rocks and so he did and he carefully positioned as many as he could until he determined the box was full and then he asked the audience is this box now full And um, they they kind of agreed it was. And then he asked for another volunteer, and out came a wheelbarrow full of uh, stones. And he said, there's actually room around those boulders for these stones. So I want you to put as many as you can into the box. And so he began to pour into the top of this three-foot-by-three-foot box, and stones were falling down and around the boulders and making their way. And by jiggling, he could get quite a few in there Till eventually it was... uh, across the top, full of the stones, you could hardly see any of the boulders. And he said to the audience, now, is this box full? And the kid said, yeah, it's definitely full. And that's when he asked for another volunteer. And after this volunteer came down, out came a wheelbarrow full of gravel. And he said, would you please, um, Fill this box with as much gravel as you can. And so that's exactly what he did. And he poured that gravel in there, and the gravel went down and fell, and it was kind of cool it made an awesome sound as it filled every little crevice around the stones and the boulders. And then he turned to the audience, when it was again smooth at to the top, and said, is this box full? Well, the audience started to get a little suspicious and a little skeptical, and they were kind of catching on. And so some said yes, some said they weren't sure, and so, of course, he did. He asked for another volunteer. And another volunteer came up, and out came a wheelbarrow full of sand. And he said, add the sand. So this student poured scoopful after scoopful after scoopful of sand. It seemed like it would never end. In fact, they had to bring out a second wheelbarrow with more sand and continued to pour the sand until finally he was able to smooth it off across the top. And the student looked very proud. And the professor asked the audience, is this box now full? And they said, yes. And he said, actually, it's not at this point he asked for another volunteer and this volunteer came up and in came a cart filled with pitchers full of water and he said I want you to fill this box with water and to the audience's amazement he poured pitcher after pitcher after pitcher of water until finally the sand had changed colors and it obviously filled up with water until it was running down the sides and then he said one last time is this box now full And of course, they couldn't think of anything that could fit in around the water, and so they unanimously decided the box was full. And then he said, I've done this for a reason. I want to ask you a very important question. What can we learn about life from this object lesson that you have just observed? And one really eager student, he raised his hand. He was waving it around. He was so confident he had the correct answer. So the professor called on him, and he stood up, and he said, what this clearly demonstrates as in, in our lives, there's always room for more. It's a good, you could read it that way. But of course, the professor said he's wrong. He said the object lesson here is that if you don't put the boulders in first, you'll never fit them in later. Because see, that is exactly how life is. It's how ministry is, especially. You have all these things coming into your life. You've got important things that are boulders you've got sort of important things stones you've got the gravel just the stuff you got to deal with then you've got all the sand and the water is just a daily flow of influx of twitter and facebook and phone calls and voicemail and emails and and the 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 reality is if we don't get the big rocks in first the most important things in we'll never get them in because they will not fit in around the gravel and the water and the stones and the sand. There just simply won't be room. So when we reach the end of the year and we start thinking about the things we wish we had done better at, remembering birthdays, um, visiting people, discipling, uh, calling new families that come to the church, you know, whatever it might be that we go, man, I really should have done more of this or I should have done this better. I completely blew it in this area. And you know what those areas are for you. I know what they are for me. Then you have to realize those are the big boulders. Those are the big rocks. Those are the things that didn't get fit in the box because of everything else. So you have a great opportunity here. There's no use in um, wringing your hands over last year. Last year's gone. Forgetting what is behind, Paul said, we press on toward what is ahead. So the important thing is to identify that this is what is normal. This is what daily life is like. Gravel and sand and water forcing out room for the big rocks. So what you've got to do is you've got to start identifying, actually writing down, even if you need to get a special journal just for this or a notebook on your computer or something, and start writing down what are the big rocks. What are the things at the end of the year or fine in six months? You want to be able to say, I got those in. And there's other stuff that I didn't get to, but it was a bunch of water and gravel and sand, stuff that It's really okay if I didn't get that stuff done because I've got the big rocks. So what we're going to talk about briefly today, um, it's an outline that I have in a workshop I do called Putting the Pastor Back in Your Job Description because we go into kids ministry, most of us I think, because we love kids and we're good with kids and we have a passion for kids. But what happens is the gravel and the sand and the water of daily ministry begins to crowd out the room for what we really want to be doing. And so I want to challenge you to take some time away. You can even download from the show notes a, a short document I'm going to post up there with some questions that you can answer and some things you can journal about so that you can actually prepare to do this. But start reflecting on why did you become a children's pastor? And then write about what do you miss doing? What do you wish you could do more of? And, and don't let the excuses kick in you just start answering that question. If you're not the children's pastor, whether it's, you know, the a, a director of a midweek club or a Sunday school class, why did you start doing this? And then start writing, what do I wish I could do more? And you really have to fight the excuses that immediately start to pop up. Well, I don't have time for that. I don't have money for that. You know, I've got all these other demands. You start out with the ideal. You deal with life later, but you start out with the ideal. And what are those things that you miss doing, that you used to do? and that you wish you could do more of. Then comes a very important stage where you have to honestly look at what consumes your time now. What is eating up your time? What is the gravel and the sand and the water? Some of it's not avoidable, but when we're really harshly honest with ourselves, some of it actually is. Some of it's administration. That we could actually delegate. Some of it are interruptions um, that constantly interrupt us, and we need to figure out some concentrated time. Like maybe when you're working on your kids' church lesson, you actually go to a restaurant or you go to a, a room in the building that nobody will know you're there, and you 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 battle those interruptions. Maybe it's email; you need to unsubscribe from some stuff. Um, maybe it's Facebook and social media, and you realize I've got to I've got to limit that to you know a half hour a day, and then I don't even look at it again. For another day. Maybe you've got to address some of these time wasters in your life and and you've got to be honest about writing them down and don't start to solve them as you write them down. You just write them down. You deal with solving them later, but you start by identifying what are the big rocks and what is the gravel and the sand. And then you start to identify the top things that you would like to to, um, consume your time. Whether it's teaching or training or shepherding, discipling, maybe it's maybe it's writing, maybe it's, it's reading more, all right? And then what you've got to do is you've got to start to develop your own job description for your life, all right? Not the one that they used when they hired you because that's probably obsolete and nobody looks at that again anyway. It's what do you want your days and your weeks to look like? And you start to describe that. You start to take control and say, I'm going to be my own boss. And I'm going to figure this out. Now, don't try to attempt everything. Right? Don't even try to attempt most things. Right? If you try to do everything, believe me, people will let you. Right? But what you got to figure out is what can I do that I can do well. It might mean not doing a vacation Bible school. It might mean stopping a program or altering a program or delegating to someone else to lead something that you love. I don't know what it's going to be for you, but it is doable. All right, everyone who's ever said to me that I'm coaching, I can't change this. It's never been true. It always can be true. But it takes some hard, honest assessment and some willingness to make some sacrifices, but to make them intentionally. Because there's always going to be sacrifices. Andy Stanley has a book called Choosing to Cheat. It's a great little book. The main point of the whole book is you're going to cheat somebody, so choose who you're going to cheat. So you're not cheating your family, you're not cheating your boss, you're not cheating the kids. You might you're cheating the people who you never get to who really aren't that important. And then you have a strategy to pull this all together. Number 1, you have to identify what you'd like to be doing, all right? Identify, write it down. Then evaluate what you are doing and then you make a list of priorities. What is going to be more important than what? And in Be harshly honest about it, all right? Then you choose the best because you can't do everything. If you're like me, you can make this awesome brainstorm list of incredible things you'd like to accomplish next year, but you got to choose the best. you got to choose those few things that you're going to do well, and then either eliminate or delegate the rest of them. Really ask yourself, what do I stink at, all right? And quit doing it because there's people that God has actually gifted to do well the things that you don't do well. That's all part of why we have the body of Christ. Another way to look at it is if I were to leave, if I were to die or take another job or move across the country, whatever it is, if you were to leave your current position, what would they absolutely continue? And what would they let go because it's something you did, but it really wasn't that important to everybody else? Those are hard questions to answer because you kind of feel like, Well, they should continue doing everything that I was doing. But the reality is some things they won't. And it might mean that some of the things that are done simply because you want them done are things that don't matter as much to the ministry and to everyone else as you'd like to think. And these these are tough questions to answer because they make us vulnerable and they, they put our sense of value on the line. But if we want to be our best, be God's best, have the best ministry at the top as the leader, of whatever you lead whether it's something small or something large you have to be willing to ask those tough questions all right have you ever heard of the four quadrants all right now if you're driving in your car rollerblading or riding your bike or unicycling whatever you may be doing while listening to this podcast you might not be able to do this but if you're sitting down i want you to just draw a little table and it's gonna be three columns by three rows it's very simple the first box Row one, column one, you're going to leave it blank. You don't need that one. It's kind of bonus. All right. But across the top in the third and the fourth column, you write the words urgent and not urgent. All right. And, and, and these are two columns that everything in your life fits in one of these two categories. It's either urgent and urgent means you've got to do it right now. It doesn't matter what you plan for that day. It doesn't matter, you know, whether you want to do it or not, it's, it's urgent. It's, it's just got to be dealt with, if not today, in the, ne- in the next day or two, all right? Then the not urgent. The not urgent are things that you need to do, but they're not always urgent. I mean, like, your Sunday morning lesson isn't really urgent till Friday or Saturday, right? On Monday or Tuesday, it, it, it's not urgent. Um, you know, calling your mom more, that's not urgent. It's something you should do, but you know it's not urgent. So it's pretty obvious what urgent and not urgent is. Now, here's what you do down the rows. The the first row, well it's on your on your table, it's the second row because the top ones are titles. So in the in the second box in that first column, you're gonna write the word important, and then below that, you're gonna write not important. All right. And what you've done is you've created four quadrants that everything in your life Fits within. So in the quadrant that lines up with urgent and important, that's number one, all right? That'd be the second box in the second column, all right? Then the, the second box in the second row under non-urgent and important is quadrant two, all right? Those are things that are important, but they're not urgent, all right? Then the last two boxes are three and four. Three are things that are urgent, but they're not important, all right? Like you're phone goes off and it beeps and someone just posted to your wall, uh, that's urgent, right? You got to see that right away, uh, but it's really not that important, Alright, The fourth quadrant are things that are not urgent and they're not important. Taking out the garbage, all right? That's really not urgent. You can always take the garbage out, right? And it's not that important. I mean, it is. If you never take the garbage out, then you'll you'll have an urgent and important situation on your hands. So here's what you do. You, you, you do this on a large piece of paper. You can fold into four columns. Um, four boxes and you can just write these titles at the top if you do a table then it's a three by three but you're going to write in these quadrants one two three and four you're going to look at everything you do in fact one time I had a boss require his staff for an entire week to log what we did every 15 minutes of our waking hours that was tedious nobody was happy about doing it but we did it because the boss asked us to. And now I'm gonna surprise myself by saying, you might want to consider doing this. Even if you didn't do it 15 minute increments, you did it with hour increments. And you take a log for a week and you write down what you did every hour. And then you plug it in when you're all done. What things were urgent and important? There's a lot of those, right? What was not urgent but important? What was not important, but urgent, we get urgent stuff all the time in ministry, right? We had a gate break in our nursery a couple weeks ago. right? A gate's not that important, although my preschool director would argue that it is because kids can escape the room, but it was urgent. I had to get that gate fixed by the next time children were in the room. And so you have things that are urgent, not greatly important, but, but they are ultimately. And then lastly, you've got things that are not urgent and they're not important, all right? Decorating. It's not urgent, it's not important. We do it. I mean, it has some value. Um, when we say not important, we're not talking about things that have absolutely zero value because then you would never do it, right? But there's a but between important and not important, it, there's a priority. You know, there's things that are important to do and there's things that aren't that important. And here's where it all boils down to. As you log these things, you're going to find the emptiest box is quadrant 2 quadrant two is your magic box it's your boulder box all right it is things that are important but they never become urgent all right discipling a kid is probably one of the most important things you can do in your life in ministry but it's never urgent you can always do it the next day all right um taking an online course to be better at bible theology that's important all right It's never going to be urgent. There's all kinds of things that you could list that are important to your ministry. Going to a conference, reading some of the top books, reading the blogs that are are out there by written by other children's ministry leaders. Tons of these things are important, but they're never urgent. And what happens is we spend the bulk of our time actually in quadrant three. You'll be shocked how much time you spend on things that appear to be urgent, sometimes learning that they're really not but that appear to be urgent or feel urgent that really aren't that important when you think about social media social media is not that important honestly how long has the world been around without Twitter and Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn or any name any other vine or whatever we were all fine right so it's really not that important but how much time do we spend in quadrant three because there's a sense of urgency. I wake up in the morning and I gotta check Facebook, right? That's a sense of urgency. And so we'll find we spend most of our time in there. And so the trick is to figure out how to get more of our time spent in quadrant two than we're wasting in quadrant three. And some of that is gonna mean saying no to some things, declaring them not urgent that are in quadrant three. And bumping them into quadrant four. Not urgent, not important. I'll do that maybe someday. So then what becomes the secret to getting those big rocks in? It's going to sound really funny or profoundly simple or naive, but it's as simple as these two words. You ready? Get your pen ready? Ready to jot this down? Schedule it. It's that easy. You know, going to the dentist I mean if you got a toothache and you're like dying you know that that of course is an important urgent quadrant one but going for a cleaning going for a checkup that's important but it's not urgent so so how does it happen you schedule it you go i really need to do that i need to schedule it and you need to start scheduling into your week your quadrant two activities your big rocks schedule them in now will urgent not important things bump those sometimes absolutely that's part of life that's where adapting to real world getting from the ideal to the real happens but here's the trick if you have scheduled into your life on wednesdays from two to four you're going to work on your sunday lesson all right when that gets interrupted that's okay but you know what happens you move it you move from four to six Move to tomorrow from eight to ten because it's on your schedule especially if you use an electronic calendar like most people do today you move it, but then moving it, you know, you are risking that getting into the urgent category. And so you're aware of that. If there's some friends that you would like to call and just touch, keep in touch with, you may need to schedule into your schedule, call a friend, right? And when that hour comes and it's call a friend, if you can't do it, then you move it. You might even delete it. Oh my goodness. But you know, none of your friends will know. But what happens next week when you get to that call a friend time on your schedule? Well, what happens is you go, oh man, I canceled that last week. I really need to do it this week, all right? If it gets canceled two weeks in a row, your friends aren't gonna disown you. Again, they don't know, right? That you scheduled this non-urgent but important thing. But what's gonna happen is you're gonna make sure you do it. In fact, that third week, if it's been canceled twice, you may call two friends. You may double your impact, right? Whether, whether it's writing handwritten encouraging notes, you say, man, that is important. It's never urgent. But people are so encouraged when you took the time to actually write a handwritten note to them. So you schedule first thing on Monday mornings, I'm going to write a handwritten note. And then you go, how can I make this faster? Because you got to address the envelope, you know, you got to find cards. So you go out and you buy the cards, you buy the envelopes, you have your assistant run off mailing labels for you. So you can write a handwritten note to every single one of your leaders by the end of the year. You can have them in a a folder ready to go, you have the stationary ready to go, boom. You can knock that out and make that quadrant two activity take a total of five minutes. Instead of going, oh man, I got to find paper. I got to find a stamp. I got to decide who. Take some time and plan. Make the list of the top 20 people you want to write to this year. And then you just write to the next one on the list. You just check it off. So you don't even waste time deciding who. All right. I'm just making up examples out of the air. Maybe I'm hinting at some of my own. But what I want you to do is to take this seriously. So you're going to take some time and identify what those Quadrant two, what those big rock things are, and start scheduling them. That is better than any New Year's resolution because what you're doing is you're actually making a plan that you're going to execute. And if you're worried about your resolutions not lasting the whole year, then you put it on your calendar with an auto-repeat forever. And come November, you're still going to have those big rocks On your calendar, and and ready to go. All right. Hey, I would love to hear your feedback. Let me know what some of your big rocks are that you're hoping to do a better job of in the future of scheduling and doing. And it's going to make a huge impact on you. In fact, one of the illustrations that I love sharing is uh, at my ministry, um, my last ministry, staff meetings were every Monday or Tuesday at two o'clock. I had to be there, rain or shine didn't matter. They rarely got canceled. In my new ministry, they are on Tuesday mornings, All right, And they're scheduled. You, you got to be there. I mean, you, you could be running late no matter what goes on. You're scrambling. And, and why? Because there's a perceived consequence, or maybe a real one, if you didn't show up for staff meeting or if you who habitually late, right? Why not give that, be as scared of yourself as you are of your boss and give as much priority to these times that you schedule to do certain activities that you won't miss it. You'll be running to do it. You'll be scrambling. You know, you'll know, you be taking shortcuts, hopefully not speeding and getting a ticket. But I mean, you'll give it that same sense of urgency that I've got to get this done and I'm doing it for me. And you could have a quadrant two, 2016, or 17, 18, 19, 2020, whenever you happen to be listening to this, all right? I wish you a very happy Big Rocks New Year. Well, thanks again for listening to Kid Men Talk. I am so encouraged every time I get an email or a tweet or run into someone at a conference that say they love the podcast and find it helpful. You can send your comments, questions, suggestions to Carl, that's with a K, at KidMentalk.com. You can find me on Twitter at Kid Men Talk or at Kidologist. I would love to hear from you. And I would especially love it if you would take some time to click into the show notes and leave your thoughts in the forum discussion that goes along with this podcast. What are going to be some of your big rocks in 2016? Well, I probably won't podcast again all the way until next year. So until then, have a great time serving the Lord.